So most of us can probably agree. It's just straight up more fun to be there for live Ravens football. And when you need tickets, Ticketmaster's got you covered. As the official resale ticket marketplace of the Ravens, Ticketmaster has a wide selection of fully verified resale tickets. Their interactive seat map gives you 360-degree previews of your section to make sure you have the best view of those pivotal plays. And mobile tickets make getting in on game day a breeze. You can even customize your Ticketmaster app to rep your team's colors. Plus, if your plans change, Ticketmaster gives you more flexibility to sell or transfer your tickets. So do yourself a favor and find verified resale tickets today by visiting Ticketmaster.com forward slash Ravens. Just one week after gushing, and I mean gushing, about the Ravens' evolution on offense, ESPN's Ryan Clark did a complete 180 after Baltimore's disappointing loss to the Colts. Yeah, and Bobby, on top of that, his co-host and former Raven, Shannon Sharp, he made a claim about the Ravens' offense that honestly has me wondering if he's even watching these games. Oh, man, not Unk. That might be the case. We got plenty of content forthcoming in this one. I'm Bobby Trossett, as always, joined alongside by my co-host, Sarah Ellison. It is Tuesday, September 26th, and this is your morning Ravens update from Inside the Vault, which is powered by our friends at CyberTech. Well, John Harbaugh, he answered several questions about the confusion around that two-minute warning and the ill-advised fair catch by Zay Flowers. So we've got Harb's full explanation of what happened and why he himself is taking full responsibility. Yeah, plus we're going to dive a little deeper into the film on some key plays of the game that had a major impact on the outcome. Yeah, we have all of that and more coming up. Thank you for waking up with the Morning Vault where you get the most important Ravens news and our opinions in about 30 minutes. Okay, Bobby, well, <laughs> this is very typical Mondays, over overreaction Monday. We're, we're talking Tuesday morning, but this all happened on, on Monday. And, uh, you know, it's, it's just typical after a loss, and it was a brutal loss. Uh, we're going to start getting some, some, yeah, some overreactions and we're just going to dive right into it. Uh, Shannon Sharp, uh, former Raven, as we know, he started talking about the offense, which really did struggle down the stretch, struggled with turnovers. Uh, but, um, yeah, some of his comments had some Ravens fans have their eyebrows up. I am because I don't see the ooh la la that everybody told me I should expect from Todd Munkin. I see the same offense that I saw the last couple of years under the last OC. So I, I, I'm looking for Lamar to push the ball down the field. I know there's no OBJ, and I get it's right. Look, guys, everything is not going to be 75 and sunny. You're going to have to find a way to move the ball even when it's inclement weather. So we can't keep using, oh, the wind was blowing. Oh, it was raining. Lamar's going to have to do a better job. He and Kenyon Drake going to have to do a better job of protecting the football. But – I didn't see anything. I, I was expecting to see Lamar push the ball down the field. I was expecting to see these formations, a lot of different, a lot of trickeration, a lot of uh, window dressing. I see the same offense that everybody was tired of seeing over the last four years. I see no exoticness to this offense. 
What was your first <laughs> reaction when you saw that? Because uh, mine was, and again, respectfully, this is a pro football Hall of Famer here, somebody who's beloved in this town, deservingly so, right? <laughs> one of the greatest to ever play his position in the history of the NFL. But my reaction was, Sarah, we all know that he was also a member of the Denver Broncos in a past life. And I get the sense that he had a little bit of a hangover, a, a, a hangover of frustration, if you will, being that Miami put a 70 spot on his former organization. I, I have no idea. I don't know if that bothered him or what, or if that, I, I don't know if that bleeds into this take. But my reaction is that uh, he, hasn't, he hasn't been watching the games. And that's not surprising from national media. They got to cover a gazillion different games. So they're checking out box scores and highlights. And listen, Shannon Sharp knows more in his pinky about the game of football than I'll ever know. But he's not going to know more if he's not watching the games. I'm watching the games. You're watching the games. Ravens fans are watching the games. The media is watching. The local media is watching the games. We all know that this offense is different. Okay, this offense is different. How about, where are we different? How about Lamar Jackson, first of all, getting the line of scrimmage before it's like eight seconds left on the clock. How about the control Lamar Jackson has? That was promised. That was promised by Lamar and Munkin that he'd have the keys to the offense. I see Lamar Jackson at the line of scrimmage calling checks, putting people in place, doing that more than we ever saw him do. That is a promise, a, a promise change that, they, that has been delivered. How about the fact that we're seeing more 13 personnel? We heard that was coming. That has been delivered. We've seen more checkdowns, which, by the way, it's not like checkdowns are something massively to celebrate, but he never did it before. We've seen more checkdowns. How about more fades? What about that fade to Nelson Aguilar in the end zone last week? We've seen more screens. We see that with Zay Flowers. We didn't see that under Greg Roman. It was like, oh, my gosh, a screen. Uh, we, we see – here's another thing that was promised. We see a marriage between the passing game and the running game that we never saw under Greg Roman. Okay? We see – how about Lamar Jackson's distribution to various wide receivers, at least when they're healthy, right? We've seen him absolutely operate the offense and go to, what, eight different targets? I mean, these are all differences. I don't know what he's talking about, that we were supposed to see some trickeration or some exotic stuff. Nobody in Baltimore promised that. Certainly Munkin didn't. Lamar Jackson didn't. Maybe some national guys did. But again, we're like, are they really plugged in? So, no, this offense is very different. Where I will agree, the one thing I will agree is he talked about playing well in bad weather. That is one thing that's the same. That's it. I would like to see the Ravens play better on offense in bad weather. The other thing that is the same, but he didn't talk to, is the massive amount of injuries. Okay, we're talking the Ravens' top four running backs, maybe you could say top three plus Keaton Mitchell. They're all out. Nearly half of the starting offensive line is out. Your starting left tackle, your starting center, they're out. Your big wide receiver veteran signing, Odell Beckham Jr., he's out. Then during the game, Rashad Bateman and Tylen Wallace both leave the game. So even if somehow the Ravens did promise some sort of exotic offense, which they have not done time and time and time again, they've said we're still going to run, okay? But they've said they're going to marry the run game better with the passing game. That 1,000% has been delivered. Lamar Jackson is the second uh, quarterback with the highest completion percentage. That's a difference. I mean, this offense is, is so different. Now, on Wednesday, I think the Ravens got a little conservative late in the game, and that's because of what you have up on the screen, 
Look at all of these injuries. We've got it up on the screen. Dobbins, Hill, Edwards, Mitchell, OBJ, Rashad Bateman, Tylen Wallace, Tyler Linderbaum, Andrew Voorhees, Ronnie Stanley, Nick Moore. And that's just the offensive side, offensive side and the, the special teams. We can go down the defense, but we don't. Lamar Jackson saw that list. He quote retweeted it and put up a, a, a meme that he got from somebody else. This is, uh, let me make sure I, I got this here. Uh, I wrote it down because I don't want to get it wrong. So it's Lamar. He's got his hands up and his helmet looking up. He's like, what the, for the audio people who can't see it, what the. And so it's that picture on top of, what is it? The the entombment the of Christ uh, by, I'm, I'm missing the artist. I'll have to find it. I don't know where I put it here. Uh, but anyway, so even Lamar, you know, Lamar's joking about, holy moly, look at all these injuries. So even if the Ravens had promised exotic stuff, you can't do it when you've got a completely different personnel. Look at all these starters gone. So, yeah, I felt like the Ravens got conservative down the stretch. Maybe that's what is reminding people of Roman. Uh, but, you know, they were trying to run up the clock. Clock. They bungled that. But they didn't lose because Munkin doesn't have a different offense. They lost because of turnovers in four straight possessions. Two were lost, but then two others ruined the, the drives. They lost because of John Harbaugh's mismanagement at the two-minute mark, and we'll get into that. And they lost because of blown calls by the refs. It has nothing to do with, oh, we're the same offense as the years past. John Harbaugh did hold himself accountable, which to your point we're going to get to in just a second. Another thing you heard there from Shannon, uh, I'm looking for Lamar to push the ball downfield. He said something along those lines, right? And again, speaking to the, some of the, the conservative play calling, perhaps weather-related, they did not do much of that in week three, Sarah, but we can't act like they haven't through the first two weeks, the quick strike game, the explosiveness, the, the deep ball game between Lamar and Zay, they have stretched the field. They have added to their vertical passing attack. And most of all, they have, as Lewis Riddick predicted they would in the offseason, they have, probably not to the extent that they will throughout the course of a 17-game, 18-week season, they have covered just about every blade of grass, or at least more blades than they had in years past. So, yeah. uh, w look, we can all agree week three on a number of levels wasn't good enough. Uh, it, it was challenging to watch. It was frustrating to watch. John Harbaugh held himself accountable from a game management standpoint during his Monday press conference. But for Shannon to get up there and essentially claim that they're not doing all of these various things that they committed to and that they promised that they would, uh, it's it felt a little out of touch. And I get it. We talked about this. Yeah. No, no, no. Go ahead. I was just going to add one thing to why it probably also looked the same, but it wasn't. We've I was just going to say, you you look at 101 yards rushing from Lamar. Just remember, half of that was on scrambles. He had yeah. 48 yards on scrambles. So Lamar is taking what the defense gives him. That's never going to change. If you expect Lamar not to like pick up yards when things break down, you've you've been told you've been sold a bill of goods by somebody who's not in the know because Lamar is going to take what the defense gives them. So when you see him running a lot, you're like, oh, this is Greg Roman. No, no, it's it's this that's going to stay the same. Lamar is going to take what the defense gives. Sorry to cut you off, Bobby. No, it's okay. You're putting the guy in a box if you don't allow him to do that either, which we know when Lamar is in a box, that he's not Lamar. He doesn't make – that's not what makes number eight uh, what number eight is. But anyway, the, the, the long 
story short there was we get it. These guys are asked to do 32 teams, right, coverage-wise. And I know they're Mm -hmm. not talking about all 32 week in and week out. They're going to do the most notable ones, which this was one of them coming off the game because of of the upset and because of the surprise and the way that they lost. Another one was the Dallas upset, right? The other one was Miami hanging 70. So, like, yeah, we get it. There's a lot to cover, but it just felt like – it felt a little out of touch. It felt a little, dare I say, lazy and almost like highlight driven. Like you just watched the highlights from all 22. Yeah, you, that's it. You saw Lamar score two rushing touchdowns and, and you know what I mean? And it, yeah, that, that's, that's my guess. I, all I know is they definitely, it, I, Shannon Sharp knows football. Like I said, so well, he's a hall of famer that if he had watched the game, he would, he would have different takeaways, I, I believe. You know, it was, it was interesting to see such a 180 on the flip side. And, you know, Shannon hadn't obviously talked about this in the, in the last couple of weeks. But Ryan Clark, former Pittsburgh Steeler, ESPN analyst, Emmy Award winner. The guy's made a heck of a transition to his media career. But you wouldn't have expected this from him. And this was in that same segment on First Take, right? You got Stephen A., We'll get to him in just a second. You got Shannon Sharp and Ryan Clark, a star-studded trio by all accounts. But for Ryan to essentially shift gears from just a week ago, we built an entire episode one week ago today right on a clip where he just went off on the evolution of this offense, Sarah. For, so for one week later, for him to, to take such a 180 and a shift was like, whoa, here's Ryan Clark. So now it's about how do you find an innovative way to help Lamar Jackson increase who he is as a passer, to help the Baltimore Ravens be able to threaten the deep part of the field, Stephen A., and they aren't doing that at all. Now, what was it supposed to be? It was supposed to be because now you have Zay Flowers, because now you have Odell Beckham Jr., you have a healthy Rashad Bateman, and they were supposed to be able to win one-on-ones. Well, everybody knows in order to win the one-on-ones, you got to create those for your players. You got to put the people in the right position. They were supposed to spread it out. They were supposed to give you all this space so Lamar Jackson could operate. You know what I saw in the red zone yesterday? I saw two called quarterback runs for Lamar Jackson. And guess what they were? They were extremely successful. You know what else I've seen since 2019, Stephen A. and Shannon Sharp in the red zone? I've seen called runs for Lamar Jackson that were extremely successful. We aren't seeing anything different. And I actually think whatever the simple changes are that they're trying to make to the passing game is holding this offense back. It's it's putting this offense in a place where now Lamar Jackson is thinking, where now the receiver's route combinations aren't as crisp. They need to simplify it. And I, I don't know, I don't want people to take this wrong like Lamar can't handle it. There seems like there's too much going on. Like we're trying to take too big of a step instead of finding out what do this, what does this group of individuals do well? And let's do that. There is no consistency to who the Baltimore Ravens were. And at least with Greg Roman, though it was elementary, though we hated the passing game, they were consistent. And they had something they were good at, and they did it over and over again. I don't know who this Ravens team is, and they don't have an offensive identity yet, and that's the thing that scares me more than anything. The word that you used in your tweet back to me was contradiction. 
go ahead and uh, expand on that for us. <laughs> oh my gosh. What's funny is, uh, listen, we're not going to take up time to, to play his gushing rant from last week. I, I'll just have a couple here. <laughs> Bobby, he raved about Lamar not getting any sacks and then pushing the ball downfield. He talked about, as you said, the evolution of the offense. I mean, then in this one, he's like, I thought these guys were supposed to win on one-on-one battles. You know what they need to do to win one-on-one battles? And I'm like, be on the field? <laughs> it's like, Rashad wasn't there, OBJ wasn't there, and yes, Zay does win one-on-one battles. Like, And then and then we're to the point where like, we're already criticizing. He's like, do you know what I saw? I saw two quarterback draws, and guess what? It was successful. And I also saw that under Greg Roman, great quarterback draws. And guess what? It was successful. So that's where we're at. We're like criticizing two successful plays of Lamar scoring touchdowns. What? What is happening here? Then Bobby, not only did he contradict himself from last week, but he contradicted himself twice in this very clip we just watched. First, he says, uh, he's agreeing with Shannon Sharp. Yeah, I don't see any difference. Yeah, I don't see any difference. And then he's like, I think that maybe they're trying to do too much. They're trying to take too much, much of a big step. They should just simplify it. And then he says, but the simple changes are holding the offense back. What are we doing here? What are we doing? Guys, we can just say, look, in week three, the Ravens offense looked like poop. You know, it didn't look good. That would be accurate. Why, why do we have to like pull out these big overarching themes that we don't have? Yeah, they look the same. And then he says, but then they don't have an identity. Well, which one is it? Like, like uh, it, it's just, it was so all over the place. And there's so much to criticize in week three of the offense even though you want to be like, by the way, they're missing all these guys again, which Lamar himself is, you know, acknowledging on, on Twitter. That thing was just all over the place. And again, you just chalk it up to national media. You just have to say big, crazy things and have an overreaction. And that's just how it, how it goes. Well, why can't, why can't they focus more on the, the micro instead of the macro, right? They right. decided to go with, with, with the macro in the sense that these are these big philosophical questions that they're trying to answer that none of us are, are asking, by the way. None of us are really asking those questions. We're just taught, we're, we're wanting to know, gosh, what's up with the ball security? Dang, what's up with the, the, the game mismanagement, right? Like, wh- what's going on with some of these mental errors that are uncharacteristic of Lamar Jackson, right? Those are the things that we're wondering coming off week three. Not these big picture conversations trying to define the Ravens three weeks into a new offense. I just like exactly on, because we can see that the Ravens offense is moving the ball. We can see all the differences. We can see the the promises that are being delivered. They don't get to see that. They're they're not seeing that. We can see. I mean, twice yesterday, despite or twice Sunday, despite the offensive issues. Lamar Jackson led his team for two methodical long drives, 175 yards, one of 80. And you forget about it because of the woes down, down the, down the stretch. We also can see, Hey, it's tough for, for Todd Munkin and Lamar and all these guys to get comfortable when in week one, you're missing Mark Andrews. And then in week two, you're missing half your offensive line. And you're just trying to figure that out. And then in week three, you're missing OBJ and then you lose more, more of your, how are you supposed to show an identity when like the personnel is in and out like that? Like, uh, but but that's 
Yeah, well, that's why we're not asking those questions because we can see, we can, we can see the progress. If you're watching the game, you can see, oh my gosh, it's in the offense, even with all these guys missing, it's there. It, but like you, to your point, stupid crap like game management and turnovers, you know, is what killed him in week three. We'll stick a pin in it there. Quite honestly, I, we have two more minutes. We don't need of, to go see an A. I was just going to say, to paraphrase, just to quickly summarize it, he took the opposite angle and he just asked for grace, essentially, for the Ravens and named all these because things of the injuries. We've, already, we've already discussed. Yes. yes. Yeah. So just to save us a couple minutes, even though I know so many of you want to hear Stephen A talking positive things about your team, let's keep moving. And we'll get to John Harbaugh's weekly Monday press conference. And right off the top, as you would expect, one that was dissected, a decision to essentially, well, I say decision, but Zay Flowers was told to fair catch it right around the two-minute warning, right? Fair catch a punt instead of taking it, running around for a couple seconds, Sarah, and getting it underneath the two-minute warning, meaning you do not give Indianapolis more time for strategizing on top of the two-minute warning. You essentially gifted them a timeout by Zay fair catching. So right off the top of his press conference, he was asked, and he talked about everything that took place in that moment. Hey, you know, we'll take responsibility for that. We didn't, we didn't in, in the confusion of all that, it was chaotic, I, 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 which I didn't realize at the time, but uh, I think uh, uh, Gardner stepped out of, out of the back of the end zone, right? So they ruled it 158, which changes everything in terms of the clock management. And while that was going on, we were in the huddle, and, and uh, you know, we made the the determination that we we're going to fair catch anything because we we're looking at an onside kick, pop-up kick, those kind of things for them to try to get the ball back. So the, the smart play was to get the, you know, to, to fair catch anything. And, uh, and we did not do the job we needed to do to communicate to our guys after the change was made, once they were on the field, that, uh, that, uh, you know, that changed. And, you know, we might have thought we did. We might have, you know, that's, that's the way it goes in communication. So we just got to do a better job communicating. I think communication is the basis for everything especially in football, especially in the heat of battle. You know, finding a way to communicate clearly, and we just didn't get that done. I'll take responsibility for that. We just got to be better at that. That should not have been a fair catch. We knew it, and uh, we didn't get the word to Zay like we needed to. And ultimately, one of the major, major impactors, right, and in, in what ultimately decided this game. Yeah, absolutely. And, and you know, watching at home on the broadcast, I went and checked it out again because I was like during the game, I kept saying to my husband and son, like, what's going on with the game clock? I mean, it's all over the place. So when we left right after the, the when they got the safety on Gardner Minshew when he stepped out, they were like, all right, 156 and they go out to break and then they come back in and you can see that they're all lined up and it says 203. I don't know when that got changed. Obviously, it was semi-late because Harbaugh had already made that call. So he's correct. He saw 158. Maybe that's what they saw. And maybe yeah. it adjusted to 158 at some point. Who knows when exactly they changed it. So the question then becomes, okay, fair enough. The, the game clock changed after you had made the call. You're trying to get Zay to hear it. Why not call a timeout? And here's what he said. Well, we, we, we thought we had to call in. So that was really... But no, looking back on it, I think right away afterwards, we all said to ourselves, we should have called timeout. So uh, yes, I mean, if we'd have kind of had a looking back on it in hindsight, we should have called timeout and that uh, we would have made it more clear. So I, th I know we'll learn from that. And then the last question, Bobby, and then I'll get your, your reaction to all this. The last question was, well, why was it Zay Flowers out there? I got a lot of those questions on Twitter last night. Why was it Zay Flowers back there rather than your Pro Bowl returning with all this experience? And basically, remember, and again, the broadcast was 
the the broadcast people were all like, yeah, they're definitely gonna they're definitely gonna onside kick here, but he couldn't have a tee because it was a safety. So they were like, watch for a, a really big punt up in the air and it'll be short. They were shocked that they didn't onside kick it. My guess is because they still were operating un- under the thought that this was below two minutes. Then after Zay Fair catched it, then they looked at the clock and they're like, oh, it's two o. 203 or whatever it was when Zay got it. So they were shocked too. The whole point is, is the Ravens were expecting this onside kick, but through like a punting form and they had their hands team on. So they had, they put Devin Duvernay where they thought the ball most likely would be going. And then they had um, Rashad Bateman on the other side. So they had Duvernay and Rashad, they're guys with strong hands that they, they know they can count on. Then they had one other guy with strong hands in the back was Zay. And that's what Harbaugh explains. Yeah. Was up at the line, and I think and Zay Flowers was the back guy, right? Um, was you expecting some sort of like really short kick there on the free kick? Like I, I'm just, I guess I don't understand. Yeah, well, if it was 158, that's what you think you're going to get. Okay. So yeah, 158 is a very good chance for an onside kick because if not, you're looking at 20, 25 seconds. You know, after you punt, if you don't, if you don't gain any yards. So we thought for sure we were defending. That's why the hands team was out there. Uh, that's exactly what we thought we were going to get. And then it kind of got changed in the process of that. It wasn't, you know, it's nobody, it's not anybody's fault but ours. You know, we didn't understand exactly quick enough in terms of that it was going to be over two minutes left, you know, when the ball was kicked. And by the time we did, we didn't get the thing communicated like we needed to to the guys out there. And that's on us. It's on us, 100%. Take full responsibility for it. I'll take full responsibility for it. All right, Bobby. So what's your reaction after hearing that from him today? Oh, Monday. Man, that's a hard sell. <laughs> you know, I mean, he's, he's, he's saying all the right things, right, in terms of, you know, what you want to hear whole, whole accountability-wise. But to, to, to know that it was just an operational communication flaw, man, and maybe there was an, uh, an added confusion in there because of the clock. To your point, we're all at home looking at the, what's going on. And then there's also just amount of there's there's just as much confusion on the field as there was at home, so you, you want to give them the benefit of the doubt on that in that sense, but man, that's that's tough for a game to essentially be decided by a communicational flaw. That's that's just not the polish that we're used to seeing operationally with this team. And I know that Harbs has had some glitches in the past when it comes to game management. He's been highly criticized for that. Today, we're taping this on the 25th from parts of the fan base. Um, tough. Tough to lose a game in, in that in that fashion. Yeah, all right. So switching gears here, I, I agree with what you're saying there. I mean, it. you know. It's, it's he, inexcusable. He screwed up. It's it, inexcusable. It, it, uh, it, all of it is. It All of it is. It's like the, the fumbles weren't excusable, but the Ravens did enough to overcome it. The game management clock is inexcusable, but they – you know, did enough to overcome it because the defense, you know, kept getting the ball back. And then, and then finally the final, the final thing was, and again, you don't want to put it in the ref's hands, but the final dagger was that they couldn't overcome the fourth and third and the hook. And we'll, we'll just show that right here. We got a different look. This is Jonah Schaefer pulled this from the all 22. We're getting another view of what appeared to be a hook on Zay Flowers. We're getting the opposite angles. So we're th- seeing it here. Here comes Zay doing a cross. To me, it's just as egregious. You see the uh, the other angle, and it's just as egregious. So you overcame the fumbles. You overcame the game clock bl- blunder. I mean, you say you overcame it. I say they overcome it only because 
they still had more opportunities after that to win the game. I mean, if they really overcame it, they would have won. But I'm saying they overcame it up to that point. And then the final blow was that hook, and then it wasn't called. And it was just like you couldn't overcome all three. Plus, uh, I keep wanting to call him Marvin Gay. It's hard not to. But Matt Gay puts up three 50-yard field goals. You know, it's like everything had to go wrong for the Ravens in order for the Colts to win. And that's exactly what happened. All of it's inexcusable, and that's why... Uh, we're here Tuesday morning talking about a loss instead of uh, a win overcoming all these issues. Uh, real quick, we've we've mentioned all the injuries. Um, Harbaugh was asked about it. He really gave nothing. He didn't give any anything that helped us understand where everybody's at. Gus Edwards is still in concussion protocol. He felt like it was early in the week to really give really any information on anybody. So we're just going to have to wait until Wednesday to see who's practicing, and then we'll look at the injury report. That's that. And then just a few other notes as well. Uh, I mean, I, the only one from the Harbaugh press conference was that he was asked about the run defense or lack thereof. And he said, we did a good, good job against the run, except for four plays, which I found. And, and, and most of those were, were, you know, bounces outside where, where they got just got outside. You can't happen. But it, but it can happen when there's a lack of edge setting. And that's unfortunately what, what the Ravens are dealing with right now in the injury department. So, and Jeremiah Moon, how many snaps did he log? I mean, it was the guy had himself a day in terms of activity. Yeah. Not, but you don't want to bank on a guy like Jeremiah Moon to to be your guy uh, in week three of the season. That just shows you where they are at in the, in the injury department. So most of us can probably agree. It's just straight up more fun to be there for live Ravens football. And when you need tickets, Ticketmaster's got you covered. As the official resale ticket marketplace of the Ravens, Ticketmaster has a wide selection of fully verified resale tickets. Their interactive seat map gives you 360-degree previews of your section to make sure you have the best view of those pivotal plays, and mobile tickets make getting in on game day a breeze. You can even customize your Ticketmaster app to rep your team's colors. Plus, if your plans change, Ticketmaster gives you more flexibility to sell or transfer your tickets. So do yourself a favor and find verified resale tickets today by visiting Ticketmaster.com forward slash Ravens. We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Well, bring, speaking of Jeremiah Moon, let's just we'll, we're going to hit into qu quick hits, and we'll do. Um, yeah, we've got time here. We'll do. Uh, we wanted to review some of the All Twenty Two film on some of the most impactful uh, plays. Well, let's go ahead and start with, with Jeremiah Moon since we're bringing it up. 
So here's kind of the question of the day that um, uh, our guy Cole Jackson posed, right? So Jeremiah Moon, he was the one who was right there when Kyle Hamilton, who was playing out of his mind, as we all know, we covered that extensively in our post-game show. Um, Jeremiah Moon was there, and as we know, he tried to scoop it and either try to score or at least advance it. From this angle, I didn't realize... I didn't realize that Kyle Hamilton actually could have potentially. Um, oh, he had a look. Yeah, he could have. He could have maybe picked it up himself. But Moon was there first. But it was exactly how I remembered it when we talked in the post game show. I don't mind that Moon tried to pick it up and go, but the offensive lineman for the Colts had a big heads up play. So the question is: Should you try to scoop and score? Or should you just try to fall on it and possess it? Now, I will say, Brendan Stevens tried to do that, but even he couldn't hold on to it. Uh, people, you know, you know, pointing out that again, it was wet and slippery out there. So, what say you, Bobby? Should you should you go for the scoop and score, or should you just jump on it and get possession? Gosh, on a day like Sunday, given just how how little flow they had offensively speaking you kind of like the aggressiveness to go scoop it but once you see one of them miss then two then three it's just like yeah it was it was really hard conditions to sell that to me on sunday so it's almost like it's a conditions based question now granted ah. spencer schultz and i had a good conversation on on our monday live stream and that was about and i kind of brought up an old receipt from from a uh, classic bringing up receipts but but John Harbaugh's hose drill, right, where he takes the hose out and he wets footballs, and it's essentially like a fumble recovery drill. Now, I may have emotionally reacted in game saying that those drills aren't effective. Uh, Spencer says they are effective. Uh, I, I think the jury's still out, even though some of these guys that were in the middle of that drill were not the ones that were seen in that in that uh, screenshot from Jameson Hensley from a couple summers ago. I digress. I think it's a conditions-based question on Sunday get down and just make sure you have the football possession wise. Yeah. I think with it being wet, that's, that's not a bad thing to say. I also say not only conditions, but maybe it may depend on how good your hands are. Has, has Jeremiah moon. I, didn't, I haven't watched him too much. Now Ed Reed, you're going to scoop and you're going to scoop that and score. You've got the hands to do it, but has, have you earned that? Have you earned that? Or are you a guy that just needs to, to jump on it and, and go, but no, I think what you're saying is best. Like if it's wet out there, just take the possession, especially with the type of game that they had going on. I wanted to replay that one where um, uh, Patrick Queen uh, allowed a touchdown in coverage, and I'm only doing that. I, I had said originally I thought he was actually in pretty good position and that he even turned his head, which some some defensive backs, you can't get them to do that, don't have the best ball skills. But Queen, I'm bringing this up because Queen himself talked about it, and he felt like you know, uh, and this is the perfect attitude. He's like, well, the game could still be on us. Like every second about how great the defense was and it really, really was. But he's like, if I didn't allow that, maybe this is a different game. So let me replay this. We've got, this is from Ryan Mink. He pulled this um, on, on Twitter from the All-22. So we're seeing Patrick Queen going, you know, stride for stride here. And oh. he does look back. Okay. And again, sometimes you got to give the other team their flowers. But what he says I'll, I'll I'll read his quote while you watch it because you can because he's correct on critiquing himself. Oops, sorry. Oh, thanks. No, uh, it was classic. You and me both hitting play at the same time, which pauses it. But then Queen says, "quote I think I turned my head around too early, and yeah. he Moss kind of got extended off of me." That's that's perfectly the way to explain it, right? Like, yeah. yeah. Uh, I, again, 
because when he turned too too quickly, it made him slow down and gave the the little bit of separation that Moss needed. So maybe if he took another step. But again, this is a linebacker. We're not even talking about like a corner who's like practicing these ball skills all the time. So uh, really appreciate the self critique that Queen gave himself there. I was just gonna say this is also a guy who came up on on Twitter. We mentioned in the post game show and essentially blamed that play on the loss. Like Blaine took accountability for the loss on that play. Like he's just, he's really evolved into a a composed leader on this team. Who's a playmaker as well. And the fact that both he and Roquan had plays like that in coverage, dropping back at the inside linebacker position shows you that these dudes are are really just all around football players. So good stuff there. And I'm, yeah, you're right. He, he described it perfectly. Just a better play by Gardner Minshew dropping that thing in on a dime. Now, the last one I want to look at is the sack that Lamar Jackson took in the, at the end of the fourth quarter. So this is before the end of regulation. Um, and this is the one where he took the sack and then he ended up to his credit and Nelson Aguilar's. They hit an 18 yard play to get uh, Justin Tucker within 61 yards. Although the argument can be, you know, if you didn't take the sack and then you had a play like that, then you would have given Justin a, like a 40 yarder or whatever. But um, so we had talked about uh, a fan. We, we took a fan's call in the postgame show and he was asked us our opinion on Lamar with the turnover, like the ball security, which with Lamar, that has been more than a week three issue. That's been one through three. And so that's obviously something he's got to clean up. But I said, I have a little bit more compassion for the one that's coming from your blind side and you're trying to like look down the field. So that one, I mean, you do hope that he can still hold on to it. You know, I mean, that's easier said than done. Um, but the one that I was more was like, you got to get the ball out. I still stand by that. And I want to give a hat, hat tip to um, Cole Jackson. Cause he had noticed this, um, but I just want to look at the pressure that Lamar was under. And it was, I had remembered, I thought he had a little bit more time than he actually did. I still think he had enough time to throw it away, but look at this. I'm bringing this up here. Um, so he's, he just takes the ball and oops, I just wanted to pause it. So look right here. I've got it paused. Look at Zeitler. And then this is Melvin Gordon, number 33. I'm going to try to explain this for the audio only people. Now the Colts originally showed a three man front, and it looked like that's all that was coming was those three. They end up bringing six, but they don't, I'm sure they knew that more was coming than they were showing, but Zeitler is facing out towards the right. So he is already behind with leverage and um, their inside linebacker ends up blitzing. So then we've got Melvin Gordon, who Zeitler's clearly going to gonna lose this, even though he's going to recognize it and try to come over. And I'll start playing it in just a second. But then Gordon starts looking for the safety because the safety looks like he's coming too. So watch this. Um, So when there's pressure coming right up the middle like that, okay, right there, boom, Lamar needs to throw it at Mark um, Andrews' feet. Now, if Mark Andrews was really paying, you know, was was thinking ahead, uh, it was the guy who originally looked like the linebacker, looked like he was going to guard Andrews, but he doesn't. So Andrews could have looked out for Lamar and been like, oh, that guy isn't taking me. He's going to blitz so I could turn around and look. He doesn't look and, and fine. He doesn't look. Lamar should still at this moment throw it at his feet and just throw it away. This is first down. There's plenty of plays. We just need to get, we just can't take a sack. But I just, 
pausing it, it doesn't look like it's a bang bang play, but it really is. There's nothing worse for a quarterback than pressure up the middle, and they just don't have the leverage to stop the inside linebacker. So Lamar, you know, pulls it down and tries to avoid it, and he does. Most quarterbacks can't even do that. And then on the run, it becomes extremely hard to throw that ball. He tries to do it before he gets caught, but he does. So Lamar still could have gotten rid of it when the pressure's coming up the middle, throw it at, at Andrew's feet. Uh, but I just wanted to do uh, my due diligence in saying, because uh, after the post game, it looked to me that he had more time to throw it away than he did. There was a lot less time. So that's something that Munkin, Andrews, all the other guys, when when there's a blitzer coming and he's you know coming up there quick, you just you got to throw the ball away towards the pressure at somebody's feet so you don't get called for intentional grounding. And that was really the only way to salvage that. Lamar can learn to do that, but it wasn't as easy as I originally thought it would have been. Gutsy call by Andy there, too, to send the linebacker. You know, Zeitler, yeah. Zeitler solely based on leverage, just couldn't get there. And and Melvin, you said Melvin Gordon was in there, right? Yep, um, yep. He was the back, yeah. So, whew, tough, tough play, but but it came out big for paid major, major dividends, obviously, for Indianapolis. Let's finish up with a couple quick hits here. And this is interesting. Interesting exchange that I had with Rashad Bateman, actually, on Twitter Monday night. Uh, first and foremost, on the left-hand side here, again, for, for the audio only folks, I'll read it. Rashad put up an Instagram story, essentially, you know, keep going, and a bunch of bullet points underneath the motivational message of keep going. Uh, no matter how bad things are right now, no matter how stuck you feel, no matter how many days you spent crying, no matter how many days you spent wishing things were different, no matter how hopeless and depressed you feel, I promise you won't feel this way forever. Keep going. Sarah, that's the message that Rashad Bateman shared on Instagram on Monday. So as we know, he, he was not only laboring towards the end of the game on Sunday after kind of walking to the locker room with a pronounced limp, right? Jeff Zarebek reported that. We talked about it in the post game. We, we know that more big picture here, he's had a very personally challenging offseason, not only related to the foot injury, but losses in his family close family members that he lost, something that he just recently opened up about to the Baltimore Sun. And so anyway, we, we also shared this tweet uh, post-game as well, that negativity ain't going to work for me this year. We're going to bounce back. So what I did was I saw the Instagram post, hoping that everything was okay. I, I just read you his message. It seemed a little deep to me. Uh, seemed I, I just personally, in all you know, in all honesty, I was just hoping that he was okay. And so that's what I said in the tweet. And then he, he came at me a little bit in the mentions and said, y'all, y'all are tripping. I'm more than good. Just motivation to keep everyone to keep on going. And I just quote tweeted him and said, Hey man, I'm glad to hear it. We're rooting for you. I know it's been a tough stretch for you personally, as you recently opened up about, but, uh, hope, hopefully he didn't take that the, the wrong way, Sarah, just cause, Hey, I read that piece word for word. Um, that the sun put out on him and it's been it's been a tough road for him yeah yeah no i mean obviously that tweet came from from a good place i i definitely i love that ig i love it because everybody that's listening to us right now everybody that's listened to us before you and me everybody's gonna have a crisis in their life everybody you don't know it everybody's gonna have a tragedy happened in their life. It's not a matter of if it's a matter of when. And that right there is in my estimation, the only approach to take 
if, if you don't want to end up depressed and bitter. Okay. And that's it. It's like, it doesn't matter how hard it gets. Like you have to move forward. You can, you can be bigger than the bad things that happen to you. And that to me was his message. And, and yeah, he said it was a little Monday morning motivation and it worked for me. I love it. It's just a reminder that you are bigger than the bad things that happen to you. Love it. PFF highest graded Ravens against the Colts. Roquan Smith leading the way. Shocker. 89, nine. Kyle Hamilton after after a career performance, 84. Jadavian Clowney, 82, meaning 80.2, 80.4 for Hamilton. Travis Jones, 76.7. Michael Pierce, 71.3. And Lamar Jackson, 71.2 for you PFF nerds out there that like to track the way that the Ravens stack performances that way metric-wise. So with that, partner, we want to, as always, shout out and thank Two of our returning patrons, they're supporting everything we do here inside the vault this month through Patreon. So Tibor Potter, Bryson Herb, we appreciate both of you for believing in what we're building here in Baltimore and beyond. And if you guys and, and you're out there and you haven't already done so and you're interested in doing so and you want to help out and uh, take a look at what we're building and, and some of the incentives that we offer and, and ways to get more involved with us, do so by visiting patreon.com forward slash Ravens Vault Podcast. Anything else from you before we close? Uh, the Ravens re-signed Josh Johnson to the 53 when they put Tylen Wallace on the reserve. And Harbaugh gave a shout-out to Josh Johnson, saying as a veteran he didn't have to do that, but he he was willing to do it because he knew that the team needed the, the spots because of all the injuries. So Harbs gave him a big shout-out. He is back on the 53. Appreciate you, Josh Johnson. Yeah, he's the man. He, guys, more than just a journeyman. I think he's played with the most amount of teams in the history of the league, if I'm not mistaken. And it is a definitely around a double-digit number. So, anyway. All right, Tuesday morning vault in the books. Another one coming up on Wednesday. We'll start to turn a page as well to Cleveland. Week four, the Ravens travel to the Browns. October's coming up right around the corner, too. So, month two of the season. That means a, a trip to London for me. There's so many logistics in play this upcoming month in October, Sarah. Can't wait to be a part of it. Can't wait to uh, continue providing you daily content here inside the vault so for my co-host sarah ellison i'm bobby trossett signing off from this tuesday morning vault edition thanks for being with us and we will catch you on wednesday morning